0: Bridgebank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. Bridgebank, a division of Western Alliance Bank, Bridgebank. Be Bold, venture wisely.
1: Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's hey podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mindshift, Right Nowish and more all tell the stories of the bay and beyond
3: from KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Crews continue to make progress as they battle the Oak Fire burning in Mariposa near Yosemite National Park. The fire has burned more than 17,000 acres and is now 16 percent contained. Justin McComb is with Cal Fire.
4: We have all the engines reaching out and trying to touch every house available, make sure there's no hidden fires around decks and wood piles, et cetera. That's gonna be the primary focus. The faster that we can reinforce the line to the south and the faster that we can cool down all the hot spots around the structures, the faster that we can get the residents back in.
3: At least 21 homes have been destroyed and more than 2,000 structures are still threatened by the fire. The cause of the fire, which started last Friday, remains under investigation. In other news, the Port of Oakland says it has resumed normal operations after protests by truckers brought it to a standstill last week. The truck drivers are protesting over Assembly Bill 5, a recent state law that reclassifies some independent contractors as employees. Many truckers own their own vehicles and say they could lose flexibility and employment when the law takes effect in their industry. They want AB5 amended or clarified after a judge rejected an attempt to make their industry exempt. Port officials say it could take weeks to clear a backlog of goods at the port caused by the delay in shipping. The Port of Oakland is a key hub for California's agricultural exports, including almonds, dairy and wine. Across the bay, San Francisco supervisors today are expected to urge U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services Javier Becerra to suspend plans to shut down Laguna Honda Hospital. It's the largest skilled nursing facility in California. KQED's Rachel Miro has more.
5: Federal health regulators decertified Laguna Honda in April after state inspectors deemed the care substandard. But so far, four elderly patients have died after being relocated elsewhere. Dr. Derek Kerr worked at Laguna Honda for 20 years and now writes for the local West Side Observer.
4: Just coming in and issuing fines and penalties wasn't
5: working. He says the hospital has proven unable to care for many of its more than 600 patients, but Javier Becerra could modify the closure plan so it's less inhumane.
4: It's having a very traumatic effect on innocent people, innocent patients and families.
5: A number of advocacy groups are hosting a town hall in August. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Miro. The U.S. monkeypox outbreak is
3: swiftly expanding. The CDC reports over 3,400 known cases concentrated mainly among men who have sex with men. And in these early days of its spread, people can spend days in search of the right diagnosis. KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier has the story.
0: Two days after Kevin Kwong flew home to California from New York Pride, his hands were so itchy it woke him up. He initially thought it was eczema.
2: Everything started rapidly getting worse. I started to get more spots on my face, more redness, and started leaking fluid. The rash expanded to my elbows and my hands and sort of my ankles.
0: An urgent care doctor didn't think it was monkeypox. Quang spots were clustered together and looked different from the monkeypox pictures the doctor had seen.
2: Depending on where I was with my symptoms and who I was speaking to, I was getting different answers.
0: During a virtual appointment, a nurse noticed the rash spreading toward his eyes and told him to go to the emergency room. There, doctors told him he may have monkeypox, but they were unprepared to handle a potential case.
2: And so they were researching while I was in this room and back and forth on the phone with the CDC. I expected myself as a patient to be in the dark, but I didn't realize how little information was also given to providers and how unprepared they were as well.
0: His lesions were swabbed, but the monkeypox test result wouldn't come back for at least a week. He spent 12 hours in the ER before being sent home.
2: At this point, I'm just miserable. I have sores in the back of my throat, in my mouth, all over my body.
0: He says the pain was inescapable.
2: It feels like you stick your hand in... Water that's too hot, sort of that feeling, but you cannot take it out. And so it's constant.
0: After a FaceTime call with a friend, he broke down crying after seeing himself on the screen.
2: Your body is being taken over by this thing that you don't understand. And you have nowhere to go. So it's both painful and, and terrifying.
0: After days of appointments and very little sleep, Kwong decided to drive to the University of California San Francisco Hospital. There, he was given oxycodone for the pain and swabbed again for a monkeypox test. The next day, UCSF infectious disease specialist Dr. Peter Chin Hong contacted him.
2: I thought, wow, this is really, really extensive uh, disease. Uh, I've seen other cases of monkeypox before, but they're very limited. I would say... Kevin is probably in the top 5% of severity of diseases, and most people probably wouldn't get as severe as Kevin.
0: Because the rash was close to Kevin Kwong's eyes, if left untreated, it could have caused him to go blind. Dr. Chin Hong says the case was so severe, the hospital okayed a prescription of T-pox. That's an antiviral that's been given special clearance by the FDA to treat monkeypox under certain circumstances.
2: I was shocked by how fast Kevin uh, improved. So it was almost like he was on a turbo rocket uh, on a way to recovery.
0: Kwong thinks he likely contracted monkeypox from a guy he hooked up with during New York Pride. That man did test positive. Despite Kwong's quick turnaround on the antiviral, he still hasn't tested positive. Dr. Chin Hong says health workers may not have rubbed hard enough to get live cells.
2: It's very difficult as a clinician to, like, really get a good sample in these kinds of lesions because the patient is often in pain. And you don't like to see people suffer, but again, you're going to decrease the yield of the sample.
0: Kwong now takes six antiviral pills a day and no longer needs pain medication.
2: So my face was the first to heal, which I think helped me a lot just mindset-wise to be able to recognize who I was in the mirror again.
0: Throughout his ordeal, Kwong has been posting on social media to encourage people to get tested and get the vaccine if they're eligible. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles.
5: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh
4: Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
3: L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva refused to testify before the Civilian Oversight Commission yesterday. The county's top cop says he'll speak with the watchdog group about alleged deputy cliques only if certain conditions are met. KCRW's Matt Gillum has details.
0: Villanueva's list of conditions needed for him to testify includes the ability to make an opening statement, the freedom to cross-examine witnesses, the presence of a neutral hearing officer, and a preview of all exhibits. The latest refusal by Villanueva to speak in front of the Civilian Oversight Commission stems from the sheriff's concern about the legitimacy of the fact-finding process. In his letter to the executive director of the commission, Sheriff Villanueva raises the specter of the group putting on a show rather than looking for answers. He asserts the commission is unwilling to allow basic elements of a, quote, legitimate oversight meeting. In the missive, Villanueva underscores that he's made department leaders available to the commission to speak about rumored deputy cliques, as well as his own under oath testimony to the office of the inspector general on the matter in April. For the California Report, I'm Matt Gillum.
3: As the city of Pasadena struggles with an increase in gun violence, it's turning to gang interventionists for help. The latest effort to stem the violence was a three-on-three basketball tournament at Robinson Park on a recent weekend. As we hear from KPCC's Emily Elena Dugdale, the idea is to bring gang members and the community together.
1: Who's the first thing here? Players warming up circle around a Pasadena Park's employee kicking off the tournament. These guys look like teenagers and 20-somethings. Okay, let's get started, okay? Lose two games and you're out. But with the courtside DJ and the smell of hot dogs grilling, the vibe is more cookout than competition.
4: I'm out here, to come get some exercise. Sports and music and food are one of the connectors, right? We actually were just playing ball today and then we heard about it from a staff member.
2: we playing for $500, so that's why I came out, you know?
4: Those players
1: are Kevin Whitaker, Heming Yip, Alex, first name only, and Russell Thurrakill, the second. But this isn't just playing ball for a prize. Gang interventionist Mark Sutton says
2: there's something much bigger going on. The vision of this event is exactly what you see. You see community members playing ball with gang members.
1: Sutton says it's meant to be casual.
2: Even the gang members don't know. They just think they're just here to
1: play. And for their privacy, I'm not sharing who's who here. Pasadena has leaned on gang interventionists to mediate conflicts between gangs and curb gun violence, which the police say rose more than 20 percent last year. Sutton says their approach is succeeding. It's been a quiet summer so far.
2: This is the time when violence is at its height. It's not a coincidence that it's not at its height right now. It's the work that we're doing.
1: There is some disagreement about how to market that work. Gang interventionist, Blavio Andrade, is over at the hot dog grill. He pulls out a city flyer with the event on it in small print.
4: A uh, Normal
1: gang member, my friend, is not gonna see this. Andrade had a handball tournament earlier in the day with the same goal as the basketball games. He thinks the city should be doing more to promote and support these kinds of events.
4: I pay for the food. So where's the city in this?
1: Are you tired? Come on. It's really hot. As the sun beats down on the players, some don't make it to the end. But ultimately, Mark Sutton says he couldn't have asked for a better day.
2: We're in the heart of game culture, game community, and nothing, right? And that's important.
4: At the
0: end,
2: the winning and losing teams
1: both bound off the court with big smiles. How do you
0: feel? How do you feel? You feel exhausted. (laughs)
1: Exhausted. Player Russell Therakil and his team are already asking about the next event. We need to do more stuff like this for I'm the gonna city. I'm going to bring all the homies out here. Because yeah, we, we, we got hella hoopers.
2: $100 cash. Okay.
1: Sutton okay. counts out $100 cash to each member of the winning team. The runner-ups don't leave empty-handed. They get gift
2: cards.
0: Ooh, Best
5: Best Cheesecake
2: factory. Hello. Yeah. That's a meal for you and a lady.
1: <laughs> Chicken alfredo. And they say they'll pull up in a few weeks when Sutton tries to do this all over again. For the California Report, I'm Emily Elena Duckdale.
3: And now a COVID update. More than 200 TSA staffers at Los Angeles International Airport have tested positive for the coronavirus over the last month. Another 150 workers with American and Southwest Airlines at LAX have also tested positive during that time frame. According to LA County Department of Public Health, the outbreak was first detected in early June. Both the airport and TSA tell the LA Times the outbreak has not impacted wait times for security lines at the airport. And both say many of those who were infected have recovered and are back on the job. In other news, a measure to raise the state minimum wage to $18 an hour appears to be on hold for now, but proponents aren't giving up. Living Wage Act organizer Joe Sandberg sued state elected officials, saying they were not clear enough with counties about the deadline to submit signatures for the 2022 ballot. And that caused the measure to just miss the mark. But a judge has rejected that argument.
4: It's a gross injustice because he's failed to help prevent the injury to 5 million Californians in the form of two years of lost wages.
3: For now, the proposal is set to come before voters in 2024. Sandberg says he's asking the governor to step in with a special election, among other remedies. This week, rare corpse flowers are expected to bloom at San Jose State and UC Santa Cruz. KQED's Rachel Myro reports.
5: Amorphophallus titanum is native to Indonesia. Its flower spike is the largest in the world, and it's a fan favorite in greenhouses because of its size, six feet tall, and its smell.
4: I think the best word
5: is, is overwhelming and really not in a good way. Associate Professor Benjamin Carter of San Jose State explains corpse flowers are designed to appeal to insects that love rotting flesh.
2: It's, I don't want to say terrible, but it's potent and it smells like death.
5: Perhaps it's just as well, then, that San Jose State's greenhouse is not open for in-person visits, but you can see its corpse flower bloom without the stench on their live stream. Don't delay. The bloom only lasts 24 to 36 hours. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro,
3: And that's the California Report for Tuesday, July 26th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Do you love
1: learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book.
4: Dot org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks i am
1: sasha Coca, host of the california report magazine every week we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant diverse golden state because what happens in california changes the world
2: i love this place we were once seen as like the place to be california